Welcome to the Art of Slowing Down to Quantum Leap podcast that I created especially for conscious introvert entrepreneurs. And if you desire to grow and quantum scale without the hustle and are ready to discover the missing pieces to effortlessly running a solar line business, then this is for you. And I'm your host, Annalena Fuchs, a human design and energetic alignment coach. And my mission with this podcast is to provide you with a shortcut to your most aligned path to success and financial freedom using a powerful combination of human design, science, and spirituality. And I myself have shifted from working nine to five to now enjoying the freedom of creating things on my own terms. And I want to help you do the same. everybody it's Annalena I am very excited to be back for another episode of the Art of Slowing Down podcast and today I'm very blessed and excited to have the amazing Jessie Michelle Agadoni with me and she is a natural sensitive guide and restorative healer sensitive from birth Jessie spent much of her life feeling different and out of place in this world and her body struggled to handle the common human experience and she was often told she was too much she repressed her sensitive nature to fit in, and it quickly manifested into physical illness. So over the past 15 plus years, Jessie dove into the healing world and slowly began to rebuild her body. And it wasn't until she discovered Dr. Elaine Aaron's work on sensory processing sensitivity that she began to understand her unique self. So honoring her sensitivity became the focus that accelerated her healing journey. And then in 2018, she was introduced to human design <laughs> and gained immense clarity. As a 6-2 emotional manifester with a left angle cross of healing, Jessie began to understand her path. Healing her body became a calling that was much greater than herself. So she opened up a practice called Mare Fleur Wellness, where she now teaches sensitives how to rebuild their calm and resiliency to create sustainable health. And she deeply believes that if all sensitives live in alignment with their sensitivity, the world will be a much more beautiful and peaceful place. And her purpose is to help sensitive, sensitives cultivate a success without succumbing the constant overwhelm, anxiety, depression, autoimmunity, and any other body imbalance that could prevent them from having the impact they are called to have on this world. Wow, I love all of this since I'm a <laughs> sensitive person. So welcome, Jesse. I'm so happy to have you. No, oh, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So, you know, since we are like, we are online entrepreneurs and being highly sensitive, what would you say, like, how are we different from the main crowd, so to say? Oh, gosh, as online entrepreneurs, it's so funny because I was just thinking about this yesterday. In a way, I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to be online because I think it's actually an advantage to us. Because for me, what's most overstimulating is being in others' energies. And while you can feel that online, it's almost like there is this little barrier that creates a mm -hmm. natural boundary. Like you and I right now, we can see each other. But my and my energy is picking up on yours, but it's not the same as if your physical body was like three feet from me, right? So personally, I I appreciate it, especially like my entire practice is virtual. And so I used to see clients in person and I could see maybe like one a day, honestly, because it was so energetically exhausting for me. Uh, and I also didn't have healthy boundaries. So that was like a <laughs> double whammy. But, you know, being virtual, being online allows me to have this natural innate boundary where it's just a lot easier to kind of say, all right, and we're done, you know, or to not take in all of the nonverbals. Like I can only see part of you, right? I can't see your lower half. I can't see your entire environment. I'm not picking up on everything that's in your surrounding. I'm just focusing in on part of you. So for me, I see it as an advantage. Um, the marketing part, the communication part about the business, that's harder <laughs> as a sensitive. Being on places like Instagram, honestly, to be fully transparent is really challenging for me. I've 
don't enjoy it. I pre I'd prefer to just like do my thing. And if people find me, <laughs> just be like, cool, come on in. <laughs> but that's my, you know, that's my six too. Like I'm, I am such a little, I call myself a social hermit because I do love people and I do get, get jazzed, but I can only do it for so long. And my, my little hermit self loves to just burrow away <laughs> and just pop out as needed. Yeah, I love it because, you know, I'm a 2-4 profile and I know what you're talking about. So, and actually, now that you're saying it, I, I totally agree with you, actually. And I, when I asked the question, I didn't even think about it, but I was like, yeah, actually being an online entrepreneur allows us to withdraw whenever we want to withdraw because I have the same, right? And also I'm very introverted on top of it so I mean I can connect very well with people but more when they call me out of my hiding and yeah. that's actually kind of how the online space is set up and same with Instagram if I have to be constantly on there I just energetically doesn't really work and that's why it's nice that we can hide out especially with the two lines we have right <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly And one thing I want to ask you too, because I noticed this myself when I was in the beginning, I actually was a health coach in the beginning first mm. myself. And then I did more of the inner healing work, like emotional release work and stuff like mm. that. And that, I think at some point I had 10 one-on-one -on -one clients, was the most draining ever. Mm -hmm. Like I literally realized I can't do that. And even today, like, I only very, very selectively work with one-on-one -on -one clients. And, and every time when I have more sessions, even human design readings, like more again, I can, my body can feel it. I get so exhausted. So what is that with us highly sensitives? Yes, I totally understand that. Um, I literally just changed my business model probably for the millionth time. <laughs> <laughs> I've had my business for about my practice, I should say, for about four years. And I've I've had to learn the hard way, you know, what my personal capacity is or what I like to use is. Uh, like I said, I started out seeing people in person and was just so easily worn out um, and realized I had this vision because a lot of my mentors in the healing world would see like 12, 15 people in a day. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like, oh, this, I, so I thought that was normal. And then I started just giving myself permission over the years to be like, that's not my normal, you know? And to be honest, a lot of my mentors that I adore and respect were really sick or even passed away because they just went beyond their own capacity every single day. And so I've learned like for my own health um, as a, as a human, <laughs> but then add on to that, my, you know, my natural sensitivity, which is what I call it, um, is just, it requires me to be very, very careful with how I give out my energy. So now I actually only have, I only have spots for six one-on-one -on -one clients. That's it at a time. And I, I work now in a way where we do really intensive, really intricate, very intimate work for about six months. And then I release them into the wild and I bring in my next, you know, so it's, mm. um, I have a lot of, like philosophies around healing that are a bit different than the normal in my industry. Uh, but it's, it is, it's so important to understand like what your unique capacity looks like, because I, most of my colleagues are just like rolling through people, you know, and I can't do that, especially if I want to be all that I'm meant to be. If I want to give the depth at which I'm capable of giving, which is what makes me so good at what I do but I can't give it to everyone. And that makes it very exclusive, which can be challenging because there's that desire to help everyone, you know, that we have yeah, as, as tender know. hearts. Mm. Uh, but if we end up burning ourselves into the ground, then we're not helping anyone. So yeah, it's so true. <laughs> that, so true. catch 22. No. And I mean, what you said about some of your previous mentors, right. That how it also impacted their health. I think there's so many out there mm. that's, they may not even know that they're highly sensitive i, I honestly god i think every human has some sensitivity if you ask me and especially like from the lens of human design when i look mm -hmm. at people's charts there's so many sensitivity markers and most people have some of it in some way and and of course i attract many highly sensitive so that's maybe maybe why i think everybody's highly sensitive you know um but yeah it's so true and i always like less is more rather go deep than wide and 
especially as also myself recovering people pleaser yeah we want to help everybody but but we can't um and like what's a business model like because for me honestly the most favorite is like evergreen programs and i love to show up like in a group environment where i can give guidance to people but you know they're the 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 repetitive content if i have to repeat myself over and over again that is so draining for me and i noticed several human design readings for example so now i only do intuitive human design readings because the basic stuff now we create courses for that because I just cannot say it a hundred times anymore, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're a Manny Jen, right? Yeah. I'm a Manny Jen, but yeah. <laughs> um, like, I'm I, bored with this. <laughs> yeah. And, but I also, I have a defined Wilson that you have that as well in your, in your design. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and mm-hmm. that in itself, we need consistent rest. So, you know, it even better being a manifester, right. But, but mm-hmm. even for me with my sacral defined, I cannot continue all day long. I even like, did you take an afternoon nap? Because when I do something, my willpower is all in and I can overdo it. You know, I can push through very easily. And then my body's like, okay, it's time to slow down. I mean, there's not a coincidence when my podcast is called The Art of Slowing Down, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I relate to all of that. And my lifelong journey is literally to learn how to slow down, learn how to create what I call authentic calm in the body, which is requires that I had a big turnaround in my life around 2016, 2017. And in that process, um, I had a download that just basically said, become a soul at rest. And that was like a really, that was like my, my mantra, my motto, whatever you want to call it for a while. And then it, it, kind of uh, morphed into this concept of authentic calm, but it's, it is, it's that, that idea that nothing can be done. Nothing is sustainable unless you know who you are and you sink into the depth of rest and peace and ease that you uniquely need, which it's going to be different for everyone, right? What works for them. And so for me, I'm constantly shocked at how much rest I need. <laughs> constantly like, what has that's so crazy and even like this um my moon is in gemini and this past full moon that we just had knocked me out like i thought i was like doing great and then yesterday i literally had to lay down i was like oh, i'm gonna take a little 15 minute well 15 minute nap three hours later i'm like oh okay wow so it's just i think it's learning how to really it for me the lesson has been learning how to listen to my body and to not let any culture any, any society, any organization, any mentor, any influencer tell me how my body works and what my body needs. Um, And that's really everything that I believe in in my practice is like teaching my clients how to do that, how to empower them so that they don't need me. Like that's always my goal, which I know that sounds like cliche, but it really is of just like, how can I reconnect you which is the foundation of my work to your body so that then we can interpret and I can help you learn how to read your body's signs and messages, really the language of your body. And then once you can interpret that, the world is your oyster because you can tune in and hear it and whatever modality you want to use when something comes up, beautiful. You know, whether it's subconscious work, whether it's tapping, whether it's lab work, whether it's supplements, whether it's just pure food, whether it's movement, whether it's, you know, there's so many beautiful therapies that it's, it's not about finding the perfect therapy. I think it's about learning how to connect to the body, understand what it's saying. And then from there, choose whatever I call them remedies, whatever remedy you want to use that you love, you know, and that may shift too with the seasons. Like you said, you know, you started with health coaching and probably I'm assuming like food and that kind of realm and then stepped into more Mm -hmm. of the emotional subconscious work, which is beautiful too. I like to marry it all together. (laughs) I'm like, let's use it all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, I don't do the health coaching anymore. Now it's more the the deconditioning or subconscious work and then Mm. human design just at some point I didn't know that existed so um, but now I'm I'm hooked and that came just the easiest to me and made the most sense because everything you said too right everything resonates and I, I actually like I like to say this too I don't like to be this coach relationship where it's like we depend on each other I want to empower you exactly like you say so you can trust yourself and you go do your thing which is unique in your way right because 
otherwise how can we help so many people right it's it's also much more difficult if, if they constantly need us right I don't yeah. want to depend on me to make a choice maybe it takes some time to get there but it's like you say like like kids right once they grow up they get out of the house and mm-hmm. do their own thing <laughs> and that's where that's where our sensitivity I think is a strength I mean I think there's so many strengths in our sensitivity but we don't have the the literal capacity to have people needing us. And so it's very like innate. It's natural for us to empower and to release because we're like, we can't carry you. So let me just teach you. Let me, you know, that whole saying of, let me teach you how to fish instead of giving you a Mm. fish to eat. And so I think it's, that's why in many ways as sensitives, we are great leaders uh, and great healers because we're not, we're not inclined to kind of keep people needy. And I'm not saying that all healers are doing it consciously, but um, this is something I'm very passionate about. I think a lot of healers are um, not standing in their self-worth and therefore not charging appropriately and therefore they're in debt, which then makes them more inclined to kind of cling on to their clients. Mm. And that is like my whole industry is that way. The whole healing industry is that way. There's a lot of negativity around charging appropriate, what I would consider appropriately um, to just cover business expenses. And even to be at that point where people have to actually invest, like the coaching industry is like busting everything wide open, you know? And I think therapists and healers are having to deal with the reality of like, oh, that's actually what I should be charging. (laughs) (laughs) but my industry is not comfortable with it. And so we're going to stay small and we're just going to charge what our mentors charged because that's what we're told is appropriate. Um, But it's as sensitives, we actually need to charge more because then people actually invest and then we're able to give them everything they need, empower them. And then it's short lived, you know, as opposed to what I see in my industry is years and years of healing where it's like, I see you once a month and honestly, that's like the worst setup. And it's the common thing, like come in once a month and then we're over the next five years, we'll get you better. You know, yeah. like, no, that's yeah. not going to work. <laughs> it's also this like, where we feel like there's, there's a block and there's another block and there's something to fix. And right. It's also, if oh, you yeah. believe that. Unending. Yeah. Uh, whereas, and that's why I loved human design. I found it in 2018. Uh, And I don't want to say I mastered it. I just started like kind of taking it in. I like to really get to know something before I like own it. And, um, and I still wouldn't say that I'm an expert, you know, but I just, I'm very familiar and comfortable with it at this point. And I love to use that with my clients of just like, even if I don't tell them, (laughs) they know I pull their chart and sometimes people aren't, you know, super open to it. So I'll just use it for myself, but there's so much beautiful information. Like if you're on a healing journey, you need to know this information. The whole world needs to know about it. I'm I'm so happy you feel the same way because, and yeah. And, and of course, I mean, there are sometimes ways how human design is taught very limiting, but I think the way you understand it too, it's, it's so expansive and it just gives you these, like what was for me, the biggest thing, honestly, with this whole healing thing. Right. Mm -hmm. When I saw my human design, for example, I have a completely open solar plexus, like open. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that in itself was yeah. like game changer because like otherwise I would have thought oh I, why do I feel this way because I amplify others emotions right and very mm-hmm. strongly and now that I know this about myself you know I stopped trying to fix something that is just who I am mm-hmm. and and so in a way human design gives you that shortcut you know or there's a lot of money in my chart and I always thought there's something wrong with me that I love money so much or talk so much about mm-hmm. it. It's such a big topic for me, you know? And yeah, it just gives you so much compassion for yourself. It's just beautiful. Oh, it does. Yeah. And is your spleen defined or open? Mm-hmm. It's defined. It's defined. Yeah. So you naturally have a really strong constitution. So for you, your that journey that you just shared is so perfect because most likely your physical manifestations are a direct result of the emotional repression, right? And I always say, you know, everyone's a little different. Some people, it's like a lot of their imbalances in health are directly correlated or even caused by emotional imbalance. And some people, it's the other way around. I often feel like it's a blend for most people, but, you know, based off their human chart, it's like easier to see, you know, and I have an open spleen. So for me, I'm very 
Uh, my body is very, very, very sensitive and easily. I'll always kind of be on a journey physically there, but it also gives me the gifting of being able to intuitively know yeah. when someone else's body is off, right? Because yeah. I'm so sensitive to other people's bodies where I'm like, yeah. oh, I know exactly what's going on here. Um, but I'm actually defined emotionally in my solar plexus, which I thought was, that was shocking to me because I thought I was so like, um, I am such an empath. Uh, but what I've come to realize is that the main things that I pick up on are fear, which is the spleen, right? Spleen, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, this is, I love this because there is this in human design, oh, the people that have an undefined solar plex are the empath of the world. But I, ca I can tell you there's so many, Emma mm -hmm. Louise, for example, as well, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. how we met. She has been my podcast as well. She's also highly sensitive. She also has emotional authority. So, but she has an open or undefined G-Center, I think. So mm. I think anything that's open or undefined, we have sensitivity and we can pick up on other people. And because I have talked to so many people and I honestly have to say, it's not that, oh, you have an undefined ESP. That's why you're empathic. It's, I mm -hmm. found it not to be true, honestly. Like we can all be empathic and especially like, you are honestly, I love this so much. You live so in alignment, you know, because your conscious son is 25. You have an undefined spleen. That's the design of a healer. Mm -hmm. And that's what you do. And yeah, just... I have the left ankle cross of healing too, is my... yeah. like, I mean, can it be any better? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's funny because I... I don't always feel solid in that, even knowing that information, like I know I'm a healer, but I think the way that I express it or the way I'm meant to live it is not always clear. So even sometimes when you have uh, like the map right in front of you, it can still feel uncertain if you deal with like insecurities or, and that's why the deconditioning process that you talk about is so key. And I'm fully in that process. And I know I will be, you know, it's, it's a layer by layer experience. Yeah, um, but that's why I think too, just taking a straight up human design, it can be very confusing if you don't start like releasing, um, you know, messages from your past or who you're, who you were told to be versus like who you're, you know, who you're actually seeing you were created to be through mm -hmm. human design. Um, but I love that it is, it's a shortcut to really understand. Cause like for myself, when I've done a lot of like subconscious or, um, self-hypnosis or, you know, all those different other ways of deconditioning, I, they'd always say, remember your childhood, those first, you know, zero to eight or whatever years. And I'd be like, I don't remember anything. Me neither. Okay, it's <laughs> like, not oh, crap. And I've had this discussion with actually mm -hmm. other sensitives on my podcast of, there's a lot of us, I think as sensitives, we, I call it, we, you know, a disconnection. We literally leave our bodies when we're young because we don't know how to handle all of the intake of information. And this has to do if you have what I call natural sensitivity or you're an HSP, highly sensitive mm -hmm. person, having that sensory processing sensitivity trait, meaning that it's innate, you're born with sensitivity. Uh, it's it's hard to know what to do with all of this information because in, unless we have parents that have those traits that know exactly how to handle it, they're going to be confused by us as well. And so we learn to just either like fully step out of our body so that we're not experiencing all the chaos that's in our physical being, mm -hmm. you know? And when we do that, I think it blocks, like we don't hold memories. Um, a guest was on my podcast, even her theory or her philosophy was that we are so uh, merged or enmeshed with other people's experiences that we don't remember our own because we're just such deep empaths. Like there's multiple oh, reasons. That makes Wouldn't a lot of sense, right? I just said it. Yeah. No, because what you were just saying, I'm so thankful because, you know, we tend to wonder why or what's wrong with me still yeah. right? and I have had this so many like these hypnosis sessions and stuff like that that take you back and I was like nothing. nothing no seriously and I I stopped to or RTT or and I, I think it's wonderful and it works beautiful for so many people and you lose me there in some way and I'm I'm like why can't I remember and I have said actually many times that I actually have some memories from my childhood for the most part it's blank Mm -hmm. there's something some of my sisters were telling me and I'm like oh wow I didn't know that I didn't remember that honest to god but my sisters told me and um but now that you're saying that because yes and, and I still have this now as an adult it's way less it's like you say work in progress right mm -hmm. um but we get so 
consumed in other people's lives that we almost feel like we are living their life in some way. So we kind of yeah, get out of our body. How interesting is that? So mm-hmm. thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting experience because I think and that's a way like I you were mentioning earlier that, you know, we see I would say call like a spectrum of sensitivity, right, mm-hmm. where in human design, like everyone has sensitivity um, and I actually talk about this in my method, it, that human design, the way that they use the word sensitivity can be a little confusing when you're also speaking about like being a highly sensitive person or a natural sensitive, as I call it because it's a little bit, it's just these subtlety or these nuances that are a little bit different because having in human design a sensitivity, I would interpret that more as you are more impressionable in these areas is the word I would use. Whereas being a, having the sensory processing sensitivity trait, what I call being a natural sensitive, it's a lot more than that. Um, it's not just that you're impressionable. It's that you like at the core, like you are just like, you can't not be sensitive. It's not a deconditioning process. It's not like, it's just, it's to me, it feels a little bit deeper um, and it affects a little bit more. It's not just like one area, it's everything. So the way I see it is we have like our body, then we have layered on that, like our trait. And then on top of that, you get to see your human design, you know? And so it kind of flows through that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And so someone that has, you know, SPS and has maybe the exact same identical chart as someone that doesn't, it's going to be expressed differently. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So I, I don't mean to take away from either of those interpretations, but I think that a lot of sensitives I encounter, they'll ask me a lot of questions of like, oh, well, like, you know, am I sensitive because of my human design chart or, um, and I think it can be both, you know, we can marry it all, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I talk a lot about, you know, the difference between innate sensitivity and developed sensitivity um, too, because in the health world, for example, the term sensitivity is used all the time to describe imbalances and signs of unhealth, right? Whereas um, innate sensitivity is something you're born with and it's not going to go away. And that's not a bad thing. It's There's nothing wrong with you. It's not a disorder. It's not a sign of unhealth. It's actually just a personality type trait um, that you can either, I say, turn the volume up or turn the volume down on, <laughs> depending on your environment. Uh, but with developed sensitivity, where it comes from trauma, it comes from a health imbalance. It comes That's something you gain later on in life. Yeah. It's not something that you enter into the world with. And to make it more fun, those that are natural sensitives that have that SPS trait can also have developed sensitivity. I was just going right? to ask you that because, yeah, we and probably maybe even more susceptible to it, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's fun because like in my work, what I do is I help natural sensitives clear their developed trauma through the body. Right. And I do some like subconscious work and stuff too, but, um, I also partner with a beautiful therapist that does EMDR and all of that. Mm-hmm. So once we've cleared their, their body sensitivities that were developed, um, their trauma sensitivities that were developed, then they get to actually see clearly who they are as a sensitive without all of that extra on top. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. Cause at that point I have some clients there right now. They're like, Oh, I thought that sensitivity was like, forever, but it's not, that was part of my developed sensitivity. Whereas this one is actually who I am. And so it's really fun to kind of understand that, but it is hard. It's a bit murky until you clear the developed trauma to know really yeah, who you are sense. without it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And I love that distinction between innate and developed sensitivity it makes a lot of sense actually. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And then I would love to hear, because I know you work with supplements, right? You have some specific ways, like what's your approach with that? What are some recommendations you have for highly sensitives? Oh my gosh, I could talk for hours about that. (laughs) I know. I think the first thing I would say is um, that I truly love supplements, which it's funny because I came from a world of like food first And like supplements are these kind of like pharmaceutical interventions that are not natural and all this negativity. And, uh, but I did that for like a decade of food first. And to be honest, I didn't get much. I didn't get very far in my healing journey. And I am a huge proponent of food as a foundation. Like, don't get me wrong. 100% like food is the biggest part of like 
coming into your body and honoring it and respecting it by giving it what it needs naturally. But if you're in a chronic disease situation, if you're dealing with autoimmunity, if you're dealing with Lyme, mold toxicity, like all of these big things that a lot of sensitives deal with, um, because we're so, we're a little bit more susceptible uh, because of our nervous system state, it's not going to move. It's not going to move the needle. So I'm a big proponent of supplements when they're used properly and when you use really, really high quality. Those are the two big pieces. And I honestly, I've been talking about it more and more as like an art form. Like it really is because I see a lot of, and I don't mean to put down my fellow um, healers, but a lot of people just don't use supplements well. They don't quite know how to navigate them properly. So that's kind of like one of my giftings that I've realized. I never thought I would say that like, oh, I'm really good at supplements. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Uh, but, uh, you know, here we go. So, and it's very intuitive too. Like I don't do the same for everyone. Um, but when I think about sensitives as a whole, you know, what are some basic supplements that can help you kind of recover? Because that's really what it is, is sensitives are constantly trying to recover from their environment, constantly trying to rebalance and rebuild and reboot so that they can have that resiliency, right? Because the world isn't changing. It's going to be the way it is. It's going to continue. You're going to continually be in stressful environments. So it's more about building that calm, that inner calm, what I call authentic calm and that resiliency so that whatever happens, you can always come back in and reground and then be able to keep moving forward. So uh, the number one supplement I would say every sensitive should take with like no reservation is magnesium. Like no hesitation on that one. Every sensitive needs magnesium (laughs) because magnesium is one of the top minerals for stress management and it has a burn rate. So we go through magnesium like nobody's business. So it's really almost impossible to overdo magnesium because the body just uses it at such a high rate, specifically in the sensitive body because it has to do with us being in what I call our alarm state or the sympathetic nervous system state, Mm -hmm. right? And we constantly are flipping over into that side of our autonomic nervous system. And so it's burning through that magnesium, like nobody's business. Uh, I've literally in my four years working with many, many, many sensitives only had one client and actually technically, no, I would probably consider her sensitive still. She just had this little quirk that she, uh, and by quirk, I mean like a genetic setup that, uh, kept her magnesium high, but everyone else just Mm -hmm. blows their magnesium. (laughs) Um, and, and we're talking high supplementation. So, uh, that's the first one I would say. And I will say the second thing with that, and this goes with every supplement that you take. If you try one brand or one kind, one extraction, and it doesn't work, don't give up because everyone's body responds differently. Like for magnesium, there's so many different forms. There's like, magnesium taurate, there's magnesium, there's chelated forms, there's, you know, liquid, there's powder, there's uh, all these different kinds, magnesium for the brain that passes the blood brain barrier. There's magnesium that's more for increasing bowel movements. There's magnesium malate for energy. There's, you know, there's so many different forms that it's really about marrying yourself with the proper form and also knowing like what your goal is. But obviously sometimes that requires working with someone but on on the whole, I would say starting out with a magnesium glycinate is a really great way to just start out. And then a chelated version is really helpful too for absorption because that's the other piece is getting supplements that actually absorb. They don't just move through you, yeah. are wasted. Um, and that's where quality comes in too. And it is tough when like, this is my job. So obviously like I can look at something and be like, yay, nay, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but it is, it's important. And that's the difference between going to like Target or I don't know if you guys have Costco in Florida, but um, or Sam's Club or, <laughs> um, you know, getting supplements from there, like usually not going to really work. And I, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to those brands, but there's so many fillers. There's so much junk in there that you're not actually going to receive it. So it's also about how much of the supplement is your body actually absorbing and then also utilizing. So magnesium is a big one. Um, a quick follow-up on that would probably be It's funny. This just came to me and I wouldn't normally say this one. Uh, inositol. So, uh, can you spell that? I have never heard yeah, that. I N O S I T O L. And inositol is a B vitamin. 
Mm-hmm. And this is funny. I've never said this one, like in my, in my posts and shares, but it just hit me. This is a really important one because it does so many different things. Uh, it helps with hair and nail growth and all of that. Um, so it's a nice beautifier, but the main thing that it does is it helps with insulin receptivity in the cells. And what I found with sensitives is that we tend to have really all over the place blood sugar because our blood sugar is so easily impacted by our nervous system. (laughs) So because our nervous system is so sensitive and so tender is the word I like to use, we often see that correlated. I I would say it causes it, but I don't have any research necessarily to back that up at this moment, but so it correlates with our, our blood sugar. And so inositol can really help with the cellular absorption of glucose and insulin, excuse me, I should say, um, which allows the glucose to enter in, which allows you to have more stability and resiliency. Because a lot of times that rise and fall of energy, the crash comes from blood sugar crashes, not always, uh, but it usually goes alongside the nervous system crash. And so we can create more of a stability within the blood sugar and also the nervous system. We'll start to see a lot of Uh, resiliency come forward, a lot of stability, a lot of steadiness, a lot of um, calm come through the body. And if you take it at night before bed, you'll sleep really well too. So that also helps with sleep, which sensitives, we tend to struggle with sleep pretty, pretty badly. (laughs) So yeah, um, that's true. I have to admit myself. Yeah. And I think it's because we, we tend to we tend to reflect on our actions from the day, our words from the day, we're ruminators. We just keep whirling around. And so when we're laying there in bed, I it seems pretty consistent that sensitives take at least 30 minutes to fall asleep. <laughs> I've seen mm-hmm. that. Uh, and so taking something like magnesium and or inositol before bed can help the mind and the body calm, can help blood sugar regulate, can help uh, give the body the nutrients it needs to start restoring and building overnight as well. So not only do you sleep, fall asleep quicker, sleep through the night without waking up, which if you wake up consistently through the night, that's often blood sugar, unless you're doing a big detox or something. Um, and you should wake up in the morning feeling restored, feeling like, oh, I was actually, my body actually rebuilt itself overnight, which is the goal of sleeping. So a lot of us wake up like dragging ourselves out of bed, barely able to, you know, having to have that cup of coffee to regenerate and to get that energy going and to get blood, blood flow moving and all of that. So we can kind of like hype ourselves up for the day. Um, But yeah, those would be the top two that came to mind right now. I can keep going, but if you have any other questions. I I give you one more, but I love it. It's very, very valuable uh, wisdom. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some that I don't typically always say, but I think the third one that I would say would be hydrochloric acid support. And this has to do with stomach acidity, which there's a lot of misnomers around uh, gut health and an acidity versus alkalinity in the body your blood is what you want alkaline your stomach is what you want acidic and i know here in america we have this big misnomer of thinking that we want to constantly be taking tums and all these different things we want to avoid acidic foods and all of that and that's why we have acid reflux and that's completely bogus that's been (laughs) um that's been proven to be incorrect for decades, but we still, for some reason, have this concept constantly coming forward. And I think it's because Western medicine hasn't caught up yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But specifically for sensitives, stomach acidity is so important to break down nutrients. So whether it's food or supplements, you need to be able to break it down to absorb it properly. You also need an acidic stomach to almost like trigger in a way the pinball effect of the rest of the digestive system because the downstream effect of having an alkaline stomach is that things like uh, enzymes aren't released um, bile from the gallbladder isn't released and it allows it keeps food from moving through quickly and it just sits in the small intestines or sits in the large intestines and rots it putrefies and then that irritates the lining of the intestines and that's what creates the kind of trendy term of leaky gut. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, the beautiful little villi that look like little little fingers along the intestine start to separate 
and food particles pass through before they're supposed to enter the bloodstream and then the immune system starts to react. And that's how you end up having food sensitivities. That's how you create autoimmunity, all these other inflammatory conditions. And it all starts often because the stomach was not acidic enough. So if Mm -hmm. you want to start resetting your gut, the first thing I always say is make sure your stomach is acidic enough. And hydrochloric acid is a really gentle, simple way to improve stomach acidity. And this is something you don't even have to have high quality (laughs) to still get the benefit. Obviously, I prefer that. Uh, But basically what you do is you start with a really low amount, like maybe like 100 milligrams, and you take it with a meal. Make sure the meal has a good amount of like animal protein in it or good quality protein. And you just notice, do I have any sort of warming sensation in my esophagus or in my stomach? And if you don't, at the next meal, you increase to another capsule. Now, you can slow this down even more and just increase like every few days. If you have a really, really, really sensitive body or you know you have digestive imbalance, then you want to move slowly through it. Uh, But it's a way to basically at home measure your stomach acidity. And if you can get up to a really high amount, then you know, okay, I need a lot of support here. And uh, it's it's just one of the best ways I personally think to start improving the gut microbiome. And one last thing I'll say about that is I find that like 95% of sensitives need the support because one of the top ways that we alkalinize our stomach is through stress. And as sensitives, we're so easily put into that stress state, like I talked about, that alarm state, that sympathetic state, which immediately alkalinizes our stomach. And so then when food comes in, it's just sitting there and putrefying and we're not digesting well. So I have a question. Yeah. It's one of the most interesting podcast episodes, I have to admit. <laughs> no, seriously. Because <laughs> I, I love, you know, I love to learn new stuff. And this is really like, wow. Um, and it makes sense because so a question is what if a person there are people that have this uh, acid reflux and stuff from eating dried foods and all these things now do they generally have a too acid too much acid or they also have alkaline even Mm -hmm. though like like how how do you know or how do you test if your stomach too acid too much acid or too much alkaline i guess such a good question yes so Typically, it's honestly very, very rare to have a stomach that's too acidic. Very rare. Um, it's it's the opposite of what our culture thinks. <laughs> Most of the time, your stomach is too alkaline. So it's it's very safe to assume that your stomach is too alkaline. There are some kind of caveats with this in that uh, if you have an alkaline stomach, but you have, for example, H pylori overgrowth, which is a bacteria that likes to take up residence in the gut. If you have H. pylori overgrowth, then you won't be able to increase the hydrochloric acid, uh, which is the at-home test to find out if you need more acidity in your stomach. You won't be able to do it because the bacteria will basically be in a way fighting and preventing it because H. pylori can only reside in an alkaline environment. And so you have to kill off the H. pylori typically first. Depends on how far it's gone. If it's just a little bit of overgrowth, the the hydrochloric acid can usually actually help clear it. Um, And and so you might experience like some loose bowels, (laughs) some diarrhea from that, uh, but then it'll clear up and it'll feel good. But for someone that's having acid reflux, I want to kind of explain that a little bit because again, there's some misnomers. Your esophagus does not have any protective lining like your stomach does. Your stomach actually has this really thick kind of mucousy. It's almost like a cloud. Think of a cloud lining your stomach so that when there's that beautiful stomach acid released, it doesn't hurt the lining of the stomach. There's that protection. But there's a little uh, kind of flap, you could say, Mm -hmm. valve at the bottom of the esophagus that's called your LES. Um, your lower esophageal sphincter. And it's only meant to be a one-way valve. So when you swallow food, it's only supposed to go into the stomach. Mm -hmm. But if you have years and years of an alkaline stomach, over time, that valve starts to get a little flabby because the food is filling it up and it's it's causing irritation, it's causing inflammation. And eventually... It can also be a muscle tone thing. Um, if the vagal tone, if you've heard of that term, it starts to loosen up. So then the flap starts to open up. 
right? And then food starts to come back up and that's what causes acid reflux. Now, mm-hmm. the food, even though the stomach is technically alkaline, uh, it's it doesn't have that strong pH that we want, that low pH that we want in comparison to the esophagus that doesn't have that protective like cloud-like lining on it, it's gonna feel acidic. So even though it's not acidic enough to break the food down and move it through the stomach, it's still acidic. And so when it comes back into the esophagus, it feels like it's burning because it is, because there's no protection. So you can actually damage your esophagus uh, when you have that acid reflux. So if I had a client coming to me that was experiencing that, the first thing we would actually do is soothe the esophageal lining and make sure that we heal this up and we strengthen that beautiful valve. Because otherwise, if we just keep making this more and more acidic and it comes up, it's just going to cause more problems. So that is a little caveat that if you have a long history of reflux and you have kind of a flappy LES is one way to say it, you'll want to strengthen that first and then move it through. So in that way, you know, it is helpful to work with a practitioner um, that's trained well in this, but sometimes you can still have results by even just taking it. But I would say if that's your situation, doing things like drinking uh, pure aloe vera juice is really helpful. Slippery elm is an incredible tea. It's not fun because it's it's literally mucosal like it's... <laughs> I have, I have uh, no, I know. Have you taken it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have yeah. slippery elm. It's very, yeah, gooey. When you're uh-huh, drinking. yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, mm-hmm. an, it's not a fun it's one, but it can so help. interesting that, yeah, because people... They're always by, like you say, these tums and stuff, anti-acid, even though it's crazy, right? Wow. Yeah. Well, if you don't know, you don't know. Like I, I, yeah. I spent my whole childhood because I, from day one, I had, I was a colicky baby. I had food sensitivities. Mm. Like this is my journey. You know, I've been sick from day one. And so I've had, and I had numerous bouts of antibiotics as a, as an infant And so I've had to spend the last like 20, 20 years or so, you know, uh, resetting my body and learning the hard way because I didn't have practitioners that really knew what to do with me. Now I can heal people in like six months, you know, but, but back then I didn't know. And I lived on Tums, Tums and Benadryl were my two. I just like guzzled them as a child. I like self-medicated because it was so bad every night. Uh, so I totally understand if anyone's listening and you, and you're there, you've been there, like I, I completely get it, but that doesn't need to be your life. And there's so many ways to heal. Yeah. No. And also this insight that stress causes a stomach to be alkaline. I mean, that's huge. I thought it's the other, other way around, honestly. So thank you for, I think that can. Yeah. Be- so with your open solar plexus mm-hmm. too, you're so easily impacted by people's emotions that translates into the stomach too. So like we, yeah thinking about also where emotions are stored in the body, which I'm sure you're very conscious of, you mm-hmm. know, our, our stomach, our pancreas, you know, over on that left side, um, that's right where the solar plexus is. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're holding a lot of other people's emotions, that's where it's going to store. And that's, that's how I use a lot of human design for is like, okay, where are you open? What organ systems are around that? Even in your healthy state, these are the organs that you're going to want to be continually supporting, not like aggressively, but just Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to, you know, support, I'm going to always be working on protecting my stomach, giving it the most support I can, because that's where I might go first. Whereas for me, it's my spleen, right? So like thinking about, okay, the organs connected there. Uh, So it's, it's so helpful. Human design can be so powerful for the physical body, for healing the organ systems and different functions like that too. So. Wow. Beautiful. Wow, Jesse, I'm amazed. Thank you for all this beautiful knowledge. I mean, it's really knowledge is power in that sense. Seriously, that's just mm-hmm. amazing. And so how can people get in touch with you if they have a call to work with you? I, I think it's pretty clear who your ideal client is. <laughs> if you want to yeah. add on a little bit to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I work with natural sensitive. So uh, those that have been born sensitive or innately sensitive, I'm, you know, I'm open to anyone that feels they're sensitive. And if that, if my work aligns with you, you're welcome. You know, <laughs> I don't mean to segregate, but, but I am especially called to those that are really, truly innately sensitive, uh, because typically the traditional medical route doesn't work for us. Um, and even within the alternative, like holistic space, 
it still can be too aggressive and be done in a manner that is not quite in alignment with what we need. And so that is my gifting. I'm very good at picking up on the subtle and understanding exactly how to turn and tweak and twist and make it unique to the individual. So if you're looking and if you, especially if you've seen a lot of practitioners and you're like at that point of, I want to give up right now. Oh my gosh, I see you. That was my story. And that's really where a lot of people come to me is they're like, I've been to all these experts. I've seen the gastroenterologist. I've mm-hmm. seen, I've seen the best doctor, you know, in the country and they still couldn't solve it. And we solved it in six months, you know, like that is my specialty. Um, so, but I do, I work with, uh, supplements. I do big protocols when we're doing big work. I use very progressive lab testing. I use flower essences. I use subconscious work. I use human design. We get into all of it. (laughs) There's no stone unturned. (laughs) So for anyone that wants to get to know my method a little bit, or wants to just dabble in and, and, and work on their own body, I have the authentic calm method which is I created that this last year for anyone that is just not in a place where they're ready to work with a practitioner. Um, They want to empower themselves on their own or it just feels safer, you know, or even financially, if it just doesn't feel like an option, that's why I created the method. So it's really, really accessible and it's five weeks of just kind of teaching you how to tune into your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's three layers, the reconnection, rhythm and remedy. And so, and it's constantly growing too. So if you get in now, you'll get the nice low cost and then I'm constantly adding to it. So that's kind of fun. And then if you want me to work one-on-one with you, if you want to get in deep and you want to fully reset your body, uh, my one-on-one care is the way to go. And you can find both of those at my website. It's mirflorwellness.com. And I'm sure you'll put the link below. Yes. And then if you want to just kind of uh, build your trust in me. <laughs> Sensitives are always like, mm, we got to lurk first and make sure that the person matches us. Uh, my Instagram is Mirfleur Wellness. And I also have a podcast called the Authentic Com Podcast, which Annalie is going to be on. <laughs> so mm-hmm. make sure to watch for that episode. Uh, but we have, I have just incredible sensitives on that show too. So however feels mm-hmm. good to you and connect those ways. Yeah, beautiful. I definitely will put that all in the comments and I mean in the show notes, right? Comments. <laughs> Not on Facebook, yeah, on Instagram. <laughs> um, again, Jesse, thank you so much. Like I said, I learned so much today. I'm literally blown away in a beautiful <laughs> way. It was truly eye-opening for me. And I'm sure, I mean, this is life-changing what you do. So thank you so much for stepping into your power, doing what's authentic for you and bringing this gift to the world. So And thank you for being on my podcast. I'm deeply honored. Oh, thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Me too. And thank you listeners for being here. I'm 100% sure you love this episode. (laughs) And I'm going to be so happy to be with you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. And if you also know someone that you know in your heart could benefit from listening to this podcast, then I invite you to please share and help me reach more conscious leaders so we together can create global impact. I truly appreciate you and see you next time.